think investors this time around will be a lot more careful from the standpoint of their allocations. Uh, I don't think it's smart to give all your money to similar CTAs that have you know 65-70% correlation to one another. I think this time around investors will have a lot more diversified CTA portfolios with some short-term guys, with some you know mean reversion, momentum guys, and it will be good for them and it will be good for the industry because unlikely that portfolio of diversified CTAs will have the same drawdown as some of the you know longer-term CTAs had back in you know. 2010, 11, 12. This is Peter Kambolin, founder and CEO of Systematic Alpha Management in New York, and you're listening to my year in review on Top Traders Unplugged. Imagine spending an hour with the world's greatest traders. Imagine learning from their experiences, their successes, and their failures. Imagine no more. Welcome to Top Traders Unplugged. The place where you can learn from the best hedge fund managers in the world so you can take your manager due diligence or investment career to the next level. Here's your host, veteran hedge fund manager, Niels Kostrup Larsen. Welcome back, Peter, for this uh, review of 2014, where we look at the big events from the point of view of your trading strategies. I want to explore both the ups and the downs as well as the big takeaway from what can only be described as an interesting year for systematic trading strategies in general. But as we know, just because you're systematic in your trading, it doesn't mean that your strategy deals with market events in a similar way. So I want to just jump right in really and, and talk to me about 2014 from your perspective and how the year evolved and both from you know maybe your firm's perspective but also of course from the trading strategies point of view well we have two uh, strategies two programs that we are offering our clients one is a market neutral program that uh, has a very long track record over 10 years in the fund yes uh, and uh, that's the program that people know us uh, and we have another program that we launched about three years ago, which we call the multi-strategy sure. program, which combines uh, in a 50-50 blend approximately market neutral spread trading that we do in the core program with directional trend following momentum models that ex exploit a totally different set of uh, futures instruments. Sure. So if we look at uh, 2014, uh, it was a challenging year for our market neutral program. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, in over 10 years, we uh, only had our second uh, losing year on, on the on track record. Sure. On, on the other hand, the market strategy program uh, finished the year close to flat, uh, primarily because uh, the directional component performed extremely well last year, somewhat in line with most CTAs that have seen very nice returns since May, June of last year. Sure. And similar with us, our directional strategies performed extremely well. Uh, so as a result, uh, in 2015, we are now offering uh, our directional program standalone for those investors that are interested, interested to tap into our uh, skills, how to uh, uh, place, you know, directional trend following that's uh, 
uh, using our systematic strategy. So would you say now that the multi-strategy really can be completely replicated if you were to invest 50-50 uh, in the alpha futures uh, and the short-term directional program? Is, is it really that simple, a carve-out, or are you doing something a little bit different when you have to make it a standalone program? Well, in the standalone program, we won't do uh, as much asset allocation or deleveraging or re-leveraging that we are doing in the multi-strategy program. In the multi-strategy program, depending on uh, which models perform well, we could potentially reduce allocation to certain models and uh, increase allocation to, let's say, directional models. Uh, so it's not a simple 50-50 uh, split in terms of the risk. Sure. So uh, if one is interested in pure directional returns, uh, short-term, fully systematic, momentum-following uh, type of returns, uh, then the directional program standalone uh, could be a very interesting uh, candidate. Uh, the good thing about that program is that its correlation to other CTAs is still quite low. It's at the level of 15 to 20% on a daily level. Uh, even though we are trading directional, you know, trend-following elemental uh, models, somewhat similar to what other most other CTAs are doing. Sure. Okay. Well, let's head back to 2014 a little bit. Now, uh, clearly a, a challenging year for, for mean reversion type strategies. Um, tell me a little bit, maybe before we, we, we talk about why it was so challenging, talk to me a little bit about, just from a market point of view, which markets did well for you in the portfolio and which markets uh, turned out to be much more challenging to trade? Well, our market neutral program uh, trades uh, so-called European spreads where we trade U.S. equity indices against European indices. Sure. Hedged with uh, local currencies. Uh, an example would be trading SMI, Swiss market futures against S&P 500, hedged with the Swiss franc uh, currency contract. Yeah, we also trade uh, North American spreads, uh, such as mid cap index versus Russell 2000 Russell versus S and P 500. It's, it's a very typical example of North American relationship. Uh, also, Canadian spreads, Canada S and P 500, Canadian dollar, or in case of Canada, we also hedge with crude oil, copper, and gold. Uh, because Canadian stock index is highly correlated to, to those commodities. Uh, we did not trade Asian spreads last year. Uh, we stayed away from Japan for approximately two years now, uh, because, you know, the, uh, the behavior of uh, Japanese Nikkei 225 has been quite abnormal over the last year and a half, two years, because of the new economic policies that they introduced. Sure. Uh, and stayed away from other Asian spreads as well. So, Basically, uh, in the portfolio, we were trading European spreads and the North American spreads. And in and, and Europe, we also split Europe into three parts. Uh, Euro-denominated countries, uh, Swiss franc, in case of SMI, and uh, British pound, uh, FTSE 100 uh, trading. Sure. So in terms of uh, how each subgroup performed, I would say the worst performer was the euro-denominated um, spreads. Mm -hmm. uh, the best one uh, out of the three in Europe uh, was a FTSE 100 relationship, mm -hmm. and that was somewhat in, in between. Uh, in, in, in US, North America, 
uh, last year we actually only started trading mid cap index. Uh, before that, we traded a lot in uh, Russell 2000 against S&P now. Uh, so we did not include uh, mid cap uh, in prior years. But we realized last year that uh, the, the liquidity in the mid cap index is quite good, mm-hmm. somewhat underlooked by many traders on, this, on the other hand. So uh, among all the spreads that we traded last year, mid cap S&P 400, it's called uh, index spreads, uh, performed the best last year. Sure, sure. Now, you mentioned something uh, which I think is important. Uh, and of course, uh, the listeners can go back to uh, hear much more in detail about what it really means uh, in the longer conversation uh, we had last year. But you essentially have three components in a position. You have the relationship between the two markets and you have the hedge. If you look at the, and I don't know whether you look at this, uh, you probably do, but if you look at the performance distribution or uh, if we call it that, was it the relationships between the markets that you were trading that was difficult or was it really the hedge of the relationship, so to speak? Well, we look at all three legs to the spread, two equity markets and let's say a currency hedge or a currency hedge uh, with you know, they they are all the same to us. So the, the, we could we look at the PNL for the spread itself. We don't care if we're losing on a currency position, for example, while we're making on the equity indices, or vice versa. Sure. Because uh, sometimes the move in the currency uh, could cause uh, some very unusual price action in the equity indices because there's a you know, high correlation between currency moves and uh, equity markets moves. So uh, we are, let's say willing to take a small hit on the currency while we will be making a lot bigger gains on the equity uh, trades or vice versa. So to answer your question, we do not look at separate PLs coming from each leg of the spread. Mm-hmm. We look at you know the whole position and uh, for that reason, you know we, it's hard to answer your question. No, no, I understand no, that's fine. That's fine. Now, uh, clearly, there were some uh, some big moves uh, last year, and and I imagine that for the trend following models, the you know they they enjoyed that, and for the mean reversion models, maybe that was more 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 tricky to navigate. But but my my question is a little bit different. When you look at the year as a whole, and you look at what the markets did, are there any of the things that you saw last year that makes you feel? maybe we need to look into this a bit more because we didn't do as well as I would have expected. Now, we know we can all lose money in a, in a bad environment. That's fine. I'm, I'm actually more looking for uh, a, a, the question to be, was there anything where you said that surprised me a little bit that we couldn't make more of that environment? Uh... Right. Well, first, let me describe the environment. Um, last year, uh, was quite unprecedented from the standpoint of volatilities in different markets. Uh, in, you know, during the summer months, uh, volatility in equity indices, in, in, in some currencies was at the historic low levels. Yeah. And, uh, when volatility is so low, it's very, very difficult to make money, especially in the mean reverting type of strategies because right. markets are slowly drifting, let's say, upwards. And that's what was happening with equity indices. Um, you know, a, tra- a trend follower could, could catch that particular move while we are looking for intraday uh, volatility spikes that cause markets 
to, to be dislocated over a short period of time and that could potentially generate you know good positive returns for us mm. so extremely low volatility environment in 2014 was the main driver of uh, difficult you know, uh, time for, for our market neutral program and again if we look back the last time we saw uh, such low volatility environment was uh, end of 06, 2007, and we know what happened in 08 and 09. Uh, so it's quite possible that we are at the point where there could be big potential shifts uh, in, in sentiment and in, in the direction of the markets. And this year we've seen already volatility spiking up to very healthy levels. Uh, equity indices selling off and uh, uh, etc. Sure. No, absolutely. Now, of course, 2014 will be remembered for a few particular themes. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, people will look back and 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 um, in particular, at least they will they will um, uh, be remembered for uh, Ukraine, Russia, uh, oil in the latter part of the year. Um, I don't know if you can, but it would be great if you could try to visualize a little bit how you navigate themes like that, if you can. I know you're short term and, and so on and so forth. But the reason I ask this question is because I think a lot of people will always think that themes like that is negative. And that's probably because they come from the long only world where you know oil stocks collapse because oil goes down or whatever it might be. So I want to try and just paint a slightly different picture uh, which describes that themes like this does not necessarily mean that there are no opportunities for other types of strategies so i know that there were some big moves and and obviously in your trend following program uh, clearly uh, or components uh, clearly the the latter half of of 2014 was very very strong uh, i note that in the mean reversion program the uh, spike down in the S&P in October may have been uh, one of the challenges you have. So talk to me a little bit about those kind of three or four themes that we saw last year. Well, yeah, actually in October, uh, we implemented a minor, well, adjustment, let's call it. Uh, okay. We, when we were re-backtesting our models, and typically we would re-backtest all the models once every two months, we forced our... Uh, models to take more trades. We uh, implemented uh, certain filters or you know, certain parameters during our backtesting procedure where we wanted to increase the number of trades that we take. And okay. even though we are short-term, uh, and compared to many other CTAs, we are one of the you know, shortest-term CTAs out there, uh, we wanted to keep our trades even shorter than what we had before. Why? And that's related to these drifts or directional moves in the markets that uh, caused us uh, pain and difficulty because okay. we we would take a position, position would slowly drift against us and instead of closing the trade within, let's say, one day, that's a typical holding time for us, eight, six, eight, ten trading hours. Uh, some of the trades that we kept last year lasted for several days, which for us is very, you know, uh, unusual. 
And if they last a long period of time, that means that there's no mean reversion. That means that the trade is going against us. Remind me again, Peter, here, why is the tr can the trade length be so different? I mean, that, that, that I, I don't remember that from our first conversation. <laughs> well, again, we are looking for a reversal or mean reversion type of move. So yeah. let's say we, the spread is touching our upper band and we are going to go short we, we expect a reversal so sure. we would take a short position and then for three four five six days the spread slowly drifts upwards continues right. upwards right uh, and at some point it, it it will hit our stop yeah uh and we would lose you know our stops are set at two two and a half three percent depending sure. on different models and this is not the best way to stop out of a bad trade sure. we want to make our models more flexible and even on a small reversals, even if, if there's not like big reversal with a, with a gain, but there's always you know, zigs and zags. So sure. on the small reversals, we would rather get out of that trade and wait for another opportunity. So, uh, what we did in, you know, late October when we reback test our models, we realized that all of a sudden, 2014, we're holding our trades for a lot longer period of time than we used to in the past. Okay. We forced our backtesting uh, to produce such parameters where we would basically shorten the, the, the time that we spend in, in a bad trade or, or a good trade. It doesn't really matter. So that's how we decided to fight with these drifting markets that were and low volatile markets that was a, a theme last year and ever since we've done it we did have positive response so sure. november was small positive yeah december was strongly positive sure. but it's also related to a better environment we believe that we're seeing now uh with the you know with the volatility spiking up do you think <clears throat> i mean spread changes in terms of what you trade um do you put a lot of weight on the sort of human behavior, meaning that uh, we as humans causes these spreads to go in and out one way or the other? Well, yes, but when we place these trades, it's a fully systematic trade, so sure. sometimes we cannot even explain why, why certain markets are going up. No, my question, the, the, the reason I asked that question is simply because I guess more and more trades nowadays, more and more trading around the world is not done by humans. So the, the human element, so to speak, in, in some regards, um, is diminishing. Um, and that, that's how I was just wondering whether different market environment that you've now observed and you clearly reacted to it, uh, I wonder whether that's caused by um, the general environment, such as the themes, you know, oil, Russia, whatever, Uh, or it's also slightly caused by the fact that there are less and less people making decisions, you know, buy and sell decisions in the markets. More and more of that is done by some kind of algorithmic uh, trading strategy. Well, that's why in our main market neutral program, we stayed away from trading currencies, spreads, stayed away from trading commodities, or fixed income markets even, because okay. those markets are primarily driven by institutional investors or these, you know, uh, computer-driven programs. Sure. Uh, equity indices are still uh, interesting for us uh, for, for the reason that you just actually uh, brought up. Mm -hmm. uh, 
a lot of retail non-professional participation is in, in stocks. Sure. And uh, on one hand, of course, the the percent of uh, automated execution is growing in equities as well, on, on, on one hand. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, five, six years of, of very strong bull market uh, produced another generation of online traders. Uh, people, you know, regular, you know, non-professional people now believe that they put a buy order in the morning, by the end of the day, they will be up, you know, half a percent on average. Yeah. <laughs> because that's how markets behave over the last, you know, two, three, four years. So, yeah. uh, amount of these speculators, non-professional speculators, usually grows after bull runs. Sure. And that's what we saw back in 06, 07. Uh, at that time, there was a big number of online accounts and online trading by, you know, regular people. And that's why it was so easy for us, easier, I would say, to produce very strong returns, you know, eight yeah. or nine. Uh, because we were basically trading against, you know, non-professional people who, who were very emotional yes. about their decisions and, they cannot react as quick as we can to certain uh, events. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so hopefully, we we think that uh, going forward, 2015 and beyond, this type of environment will will come back. Uh, basically, uh, you know, people need to lose a lot of money. You know, I'm talking about retail people before yeah. they close their accounts. Right. Uh, so it will take some time for them to to get out of the markets altogether and. Uh, you know, this year, even uh, earlier this year, markets were at all-time highs one one more time, although things are different today and over the last week or so. But my point is that most likely the environment for us, for our type of trading, should only get better uh, going forward because of the reasons I... I, I sure, I, I, sure. Makes sense. What, uh, what When you look back on the year as a whole, what, what just sort of, what's your highlight when you think of 2014 when... Well, definitely the events in, in, in Ukraine and Russia impacted our trading. There was some very unusual activity, I remember, in FTSE 100 market right before the Crimea events, mm-hmm. right after. Uh, and from the rumors that we heard, so, you know, people basically uh, were tipped or they knew uh, that Russia is going to take over uh, Crimea, and that would de- definitely would be a negative event for the market. So there was a very unusual sell-off in the FTSE market in particular, right before the Crimea events. And then there was a rebound later on, in a few weeks later, uh, while other markets behaved a lot more normally. So for us, it was a you know, negative event because you know the FTSE market performed extremely abnormal, most likely a lot of initially shorts and then Covering shorts were, were done uh, by, you know, possibly Russian banks or some other insiders. That, mm. that what would happen? So you know, definitely that was the uh, event to remember. And the second event I would say to remember, even though you know the the impact of that event will 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 be realized over time, the fact that U.S. Uh, stopped uh, its monetary you know QE policy. Yeah. Uh, again, on, on the short scales of one, two, three weeks or even months, it's, 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 it's difficult to, 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 to feel that, uh, it happened, but 
going forward, maybe partially the reason volatility is rising nowadays is partially related to, to the fact that, you know, U.S. Uh, uh, Fed no longer supports the market uh, in a direct way. Sure. Sure. So, so I mean, in, in a sense, that's kind of one of the things that I also wanted to touch upon. I mean, clearly, there's been some prominent people out uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks uh, and really uh, arguing the case that the world is becoming much more divergent um, and, and, and clearly not just from a market point of view, also from a policy point of view. And you mentioned one of them is, is now that the central banks are doing different things rather than going in tandem. Divergence in general obviously could lead to higher volatility and 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 is that why you are excited about the future that you uh, would welcome divergence rather than this sort of more uh, control convergent environment we've been in well typically the generally higher volatility the better for us uh, what causes volatility to go up to go up sometimes to know or to predict uh, but uh, also what's important is that Central banks nowadays are a lot more transparent about their future actions. And uh, so market nowadays prices in, uh, you know, future events, uh, I would say, in a, in a better way. Uh, the news is out. Uh, what we, for our particular program, what is not good is some unusual, all of a sudden, you know, uh, news announcement that is totally unexpected. Yeah. That most likely produce some very abnormal moves in different markets. But uh, clearly, you know, European authorities and U.S. Fed uh, are quite transparent trying to describe exactly what they are planning to do in the future. And, uh, you know, people and traders and markets uh, have enough time to anticipate that and to price that in. Sure. Uh, sure. No, makes sense. You mentioned obviously that uh, you launched a new program. You made a small, a couple of small uh, tweaks to uh, to the uh, mean reversion models. Any other sort of changes uh, at your end in 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 twenty fourteen that you want to highlight? Well, we improved the quality of our backtestings when it comes to directional programs, and partially, we believe the reason for. Uh, very strong returns is is due to that. We uh, now generate backtests that don't rely on. Well, the, 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 we're doing walk forward out of sample backtests, right? Which which means that we would the way we would produce them. We would let's say go back three years. We would uh, generate certain parameters back three years ago. We would trade these models out of uh, sample for a period of one month, let's say, we would record out of sample uh, performance mm -hmm. for that particular month. We would then re-back test the models uh, and then use new set of parameters for another month of trading, also out of sample. And basically, we are generating, doing our back test, uh, truly out of sample uh, performance, uh, which allows us to to see which Models uh, are good, and which models are, you know, out of, you know, overfit experiment. And are you able? Uh, I mean, this is certainly a theme that I've heard from from a number of people. Uh, seems to be the way research is going. 
Um, and I imagine you, you, you run your, your, your simulation environment uh, side by side by your real environment um, and, and, and look at how uh, the two stack up. Um, and, and, and have they been running in line? Uh, yeah, the matching uh, is very, very good. Yeah. Uh, if you do a back test without out of sample back, you know, out of sample back test, uh, you, you, you could potentially produce a beautiful equity curve. That yeah. It's impossible to generate in real trading. What we are doing, we are basically seeing which models survive all the transaction costs, uh, real market conditions and environment, and which models basically we need to keep in the portfolio, and which ones are just over. Uh, so that type of uh, you know walk forward out of sample backtesting we started doing in the summer of last year fully for our momentum and directional models, and uh, clearly results are you know extremely positive. And does that mean, Peter, that over time you're going to get to a point where you want to kind of almost recalibrate the program on a monthly basis with potentially new models or a new lineup uh, for the for the for the for the next say 30 days i'm just picking a number here well uh, we are back testing once every two months okay so okay out of sample for two months and then we would rerun the parameters uh models we keep more or less the same it's just certain details right are, are modified. but you would then fine-tune the live trading systems or parameters according to your findings on a bi-monthly basis yeah that's what we do correct okay very interesting yeah no i've you know that i've had i've actually had one guest uh, on uh, last year where they completely set a new uh, or at least they allow the models to pick a new team every month uh, it obviously could be picking the same team but it's kind of going in that direction uh, i sense and that's actually in a sense been to me, the big challenge for many CTA strategies is that do you stick with the fixed parameters that you've been researching that, you know, have stayed with you and, and have worked in the past? Or do you actually allow the models to adapt over time and, and maybe? Well, yeah, it, it depends on your look back window. Uh, if your look back window is, let's say, six months only or one year, then your models will, you know, adjust and, and change a lot every reback testing that you do. In our case, our look back window is four or five years. Yeah. So two months of new data should not generate a different set of parameters altogether. Sure. Uh, it should produce a slight adjustment, slight modification to the new environment that is. Yeah. I wanted to just ask you one thing, uh, just as a general maybe industry question um, before we round up this uh, short review. Um, you know, clearly 2014 was a great year for systematic traders, uh, for CTAs in particular. And we know what happened last time that occurred, uh, which was in 2008. There was a big inflow of money into this space uh, in 2009, start of 2010. And then there was a big, big outflow uh, when investors either became bored or disappointed, or maybe they realized that, you know, they didn't know, know exactly what they bought. Um and that's very destabilizing for uh, you know the managers uh, and the business as a whole. You've been around for a long time. H how would you go about managing the situation so that we don't get a repeat of what I call sort of the 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 outflow, uh, inflow outflow, or hot money, whatever we call it, uh, that we saw only a few years ago? Well, first of all. 
I'm quite happy and excited that CTAs are back in the game in terms of uh, people speaking about that. <laughs> Investors are a lot more interested nowadays than they were compared to you know a year ago. Let's say. Yeah. So that's definitely is a positive development. Um, second, I think investors this time around will be a lot more careful from the standpoint of uh, al- their allocations. Uh, I don't think it's smart to give all your money to similar CTAs that have you know 65, 70% correlation to one another. Uh, I think this time around, investors will uh, have a lot more diversified CTA portfolios with some short-term guys, with some, you know, mean reversion, momentum guys, uh, and and it, it, it's gonna, it, it will be good for them and it's going to be good for the industry because unlikely uh, that portfolio of diversified CTAs will have the same drawdowns as, as some of the you know, longer-term CTAs had uh, back in you know, 2010, 11, 12. And are you also going to be more critical, do you think, in the money that you will off- be offered uh, from, from investors? Uh, uh, are you going to look at what kind of investors they are Well, our job is to produce good returns, generate you know few alpha returns, and to offer investors the best liquidity terms possible. That's our job. Sure. Uh, we will not have any restrictions or holding periods. Uh, uh, basically, if we do our job well, we as a firm, Systematic Alpha, and we as a as an industry group, you know, CTAs and managed futures, money will not. The money will stay. Uh, so, uh, no, we will try to attract capital from all sorts of investors. Uh, if uh, we get a long-term investor, of course, it's it's it's, it's, it's preferable. <laughs> but we would take basically any any part. Sure. Um, I've only got one question left, uh, really, Peter, today. Uh, but before I ask you that, um, is there anything that you want to to bring up uh, just that I haven't sort of uh, listed in my topics uh, I wanted to cover today that you feel that would be beneficial for for the listeners just to be uh, made aware of? Well, uh, most investors uh, know Systematic Alpha as the market-neutral spread trading firm. Uh, and we are very proud of our core program. It, it has won four major CTA awards in the past. But uh, in 2015, we would like investors to also know that we are now a lot more diversified as a firm. We do have very interesting directional momentum program, program that is doing extremely well. Uh, and uh, we would welcome uh, any, you know, increase or interest uh You know, to, and we would gladly uh, describe and explain why we think our directional models are different and why they perform so well over the last you know uh, few years. Sure, sound that sounds good. Just my final question, Peter, and that really is: if, if when you look into 2015, what what would you what would you wish for in the coming year if if you had a magic wand? Well, typically, the worse it is for the for the markets, the better it is for for us and for many cities. So, I wish uh, the bull run is over for the equity markets. I wish uh, 
a lot of uh, volatility and a lot of uh, good healthy trading out there. Uh, and hopefully, you know, the governments around the world will will intervene less and less into the workings of the of the markets and let the traders uh, settle the, the the score. Let them decide what is the true value of a particular market opposition and that that i think that's would be the best for for everyone sure no i think that probably in an economic world would uh, would make a lot of sense now unfortunately as i mentioned it's a short episode so we're going to leave it here but of course for those who want to hear much more from peter you know please go and listen to our previous conversation on top traders unplugged but peter before you go i want to thank you for being on the podcast again uh, for sharing your insights i want to congratulate you on the launch of your new product which uh, is interesting and hopefully we can talk about that at a later stage and i want to wish you and your firm the very best for 2015 and uh, look forward to catching up um during the year thank you very much niels and also i want to congratulate you on your success and your amazing production thank you very much all the best peter take care thanks for listening to top traders unplugged if you feel you learned something of value from today's episode, the best way to stay updated is to go on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show so that you'll be sure to get all the new episodes as they're released. We have some amazing guests lined up for you. And to ensure our show continues to grow, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. It only takes a minute and it's the best way to show us you love the podcast. We'll see you next time on Top Traders Unplugged.